0: The two really important things we did for one another was first and foremost, help each other to feel less alone. Those are the most powerful words in the English language is you are not alone. And the second thing we did for each other was we gave each other an example to look to.
1: Hey everyone, it's Carly. I'm really excited to introduce our guests today. We have two of them. Mara Leidy and Naomi Hirabayashi are the co-founders and co-CEOs of Shine, a digital self-care company that's on a mission to make caring for mental and emotional health easier. Mara and Naomi actually started out as co-workers at DoSomething.org before going out on their own. Shine started as their side hustle and now the platform has over 4 million active users. Mara and Naomi, thank you so much for joining me. Welcome to Skim from the Couch. Thanks for having us, Carly. We're excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. I have to say, it's the first time since the pandemic that I actually have seen two people on a couch. You can't see them. This is a podcast. They are literally sitting next to each other. And I'm like, oh my gosh, human contact. What is that like? So we're going to jump in uh, and I'm going to just ask each of you to skim your resume quickly.
2: I, I can start. I moved to New York in 2006, the same year that Twitter came about. Um, so it was basically right when social media was coming on the, the map. I started at the Weather Channel and quickly realized that TV advertising was, was changing in a major way and so got the opportunity to actually be the seventh employee of the first boutique social media marketing agency called Attention. I got to be part of a fast-growing startup. Change the way brands figured out how to adjust to this new world and really connect with people over social. And it was there that I started offering pro bono work for not-for-profits to use these new tools as a way to connect um, with people around their impact and ultimately get more donors or funding or whatever it may be. That led me to me do something. That was a client and became really passionate about what they were building and actually joined Do Something as the director of marketing and later became the chief marketing officer there and was there for five years. Helping to scale the organization from zero to five million members and help young people, Gen Z and millennials uh, find more ways to get involved in social action. And it was there that I met Mara. So always been really passionate about how we use the, the new tools at our disposal to break the stigma, build connections and raise awareness for the things that matter.
0: Mm. <laughs> I want to snap. That was so efficient. <laughs> Yeah, I think my career started as a side hustle very similar to Shine. I you know, paid my way through college and um, was the first in my family to go to college. And part of how I paid through for college was certainly a lot of creative side hustles and gigs, but I always found a way to kind of turn those into resume builders. So I worked for Current TV and, you know, worked with Twitter kind of early on and some of the early social networks as an intern. Part of what I was doing was handing out swag on campus, but I also turned those into internships, air quotes, mm-hmm. um, that allowed me to get into a couple of really powerful opportunities that Actually, we're really focused on getting more people of color to jobs in New York in PR and in digital. I interned at MTV Networks and learned a lot about digital in in a different way, just what does it look like to engage people and kind of evolve a platform that started on TV. And then went to a startup, had a really, really uh, fantastic time as one of the first employees at a fashion startup that was a joint venture with American Express. I learned a lot about what it looks like to merge kind of older brands with a new emerging brand that was very creative and oversaw their digital media from like social media to um, member experience and similar to Naomi, I think I found myself just really leaning towards impact and, and wanting to know how I could make a, a deeper impact in the world. Heard about Do Something, applied online, met Naomi Hibayashi <laughs> and was like, I'm so in and went to Do Something to lead their, their mobile engagement. And so at the time that meant text messaging and, and actually similar to Naomi, we, we partnered together to grow their member user base from zero to five million users Purely using text messaging, and it led us to to spend some more time together yeah. and get to know each other, and and ultimately to to start Shine. What is Shine? So Shine is the leading self care app. We make it easy and inclusive for you to start a daily self care ritual that's going to be relevant to your world. And fun fact, this week we're actually honored as one of the best apps of 2020 by Apple. We like low key have the award like right behind us <laughs> on our desk. <laughs> you know we're so pumped about it, but. I think particularly this year, it's meant a lot because our mission has been so rooted in inclusivity and representation, and to see this year's intersection of the pandemic, the uprising for racial justice, the election in the U.S., and how we've been able to directly address that head-on in our content every day um, through something we call the Daily Shine, which is really we almost call it a podcast meets meditation. It's it's recorded fresh every day. And so you're going to hear a meditation that's relevant to your world every single day. And so for those reasons, it's it's led to this just being such a powerful year for the company where so many people are recognizing that they need mental health support often for the first time and that they need that support to see them and to be inclusive and to recognize what they're going through in this very
1: specific time and their very specific experiences. Self-care is like a word that's it's like the new millennial. It's like, it's over, it's become overused. Right. And so there's so much meaning behind it and so much importance around it. And prior to starting shine, how did you each approach self-care? What did that like mean to you? Mara, why don't you go first? So we started as a side hustle in 2015, and I would say it was at a time when this, the
0: word self-care was becoming more a part of the vernacular, the cultural vernacular. But there was still this kind of like awkward middle phase that it was in where, you know, we all knew self-help. We we knew like the gurus of the 80s. We knew the kind of physical focus in the, in the 80s and 90s, whether it's like Weight Watchers or South Beach. And then you had the the Tony Robbins of the world. And and we just found that, you know, again, in 2015, it was leading up to 2016, obviously, a very tumultuous year as well in the U.S. around the election. And for the first time after a three-year upward trend, American well-being was actually on a decline And we could all feel that. And then for us, you know, as people who met as coworkers, myself as a black woman, Naomi as a half Japanese woman, I think we found that we bonded over so many things about our backgrounds, but one of the biggest things is that the things that we struggled with weren't being talked about in the mainstream view of wellness. Whether, you know, our bodies, our skin color, our, you know, past traumas, our financial access, um, the idea of wellness, and even this emerging concept of self-care, felt like it just wasn't for us. It felt very inaccessible, expensive, not representative and inclusive. And so we were so lucky that we found each other. And I think before that, we didn't really have a sense of what self-care looks like for us. I think it was, it was, you know, maybe check-ins with our friends, but there was
1: a really powerful partnership we were able to create with each other at work. Our listeners cannot see you, but they're sharing a headset. <laughs> I, as you guys know, Danielle's on maternity leave. Like we are co-founders also joined at the hip. <laughs> we're still a startup. Yeah, still a startup.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so grateful for, for what we were able to, to find with each other in that, we were able to check in with each other on a daily basis and support each other around you know, our, our daily stress and anxiety, whether it's, you know, coming out of a meeting and feeling shame because maybe you said something and, you know, you go into a shame spiral where you're like, did I say that right? I feel like maybe I was, um, on one end, was I like too assertive? Was I too aggressive in that mm-hmm. meeting? Or um, was I not aggressive enough? Or did I say the right thing? All the way from, you know, that to asking for a raise or a promotion and and all of these things that are just the day-to-day of, of being a human and intersect with with our backgrounds and who we are and how the world sees us and how the world treats us. And and the two really important things we did for one another was first and foremost, help each other to feel less alone. Those are the most powerful words in the English language is you are not alone. And so many people go into what's called the spiral of silence, which is a social psychology theory around this idea of the things we don't talk about from miscarriages to depression, that lead us to feel isolated and to feel shame and to feel alone. And not surprisingly, if any one of us has experienced those things and we don't raise our hand and say, yeah, I've, I've been depressed before. I've gone through that. What happens is as individuals, we feel that it's a fatal flaw of ourselves. And then we feel like, you know, I can't work on that. It's just me, I'm broken. And so we broke that for each other every single day through our conversations. And then the second thing we did for each other was we gave each other an example to look to. Like, here are some solutions. Here's what I've done, right? This kind of peer-based, um, almost like coaching each other. And we often heard from our community, I wish I had that. You know, so many people don't have a person to text, right? They don't have necessarily a best friend or a parent they're really close to, um, someone to reach out to when they're just struggling with the day-to-day and maybe being hard on themselves. And so we knew we had an opportunity to take this, this beautiful support that we had offered each other and to help so many more people by just, like, solving the access gap. Like, how do we create something that is daily, it's preventative,
1: and it's representative and inclusive? Naomi, how do you deal with stress? Like, just how does stress sit with you?
2: When I think about how stress sits with me, it's largely the conversation I'm having with myself. How do I talk to myself? And how does that conversation in those words, how does that intersect with what the world is telling me about myself or maybe what I look like or what my life looks like or what's happening in the world? It does come down to, I think, self-stigma around mental health is about shame and insecurity, It's about, like Mara was saying, like what you're experiencing and then how do you talk to yourself about what you're experiencing? So this year, what that looks like, the first three months, I mean, this whole year has obviously been one of the hardest years of our times, you know, our generation, our our country's history. The first three months for me were very hard. I have a two-year-old, she just turned two. Um, but the first three months were without child care, you know, and and obviously child care is a privilege and something that we're so grateful to have day in and day out. And for safety reasons, like a lot of people were being really mindful of being very isolated. The first stretch of the, the pandemic and I felt like I wasn't able to to do everything that I wanted to do. As a parent, I like to be really intentional with my my daughter. I love to like know that we're doing something that's really hard and really difficult and takes a lot of time. So when I'm with her, the way that I make up for that is I'm really intentional with her. I put my phone away. I tried to, and just put it away and like, look at her and and soak her in. I wasn't able to do that the first three months because it was, um, I don't know, 20 hours of screen time a day and like trying to do that. And then trying to lead a startup, as you know, through a very, very difficult time. Um, and so how that manifested for me as stress during that time in particular, still versions of this happened, but I think those three months were very, very hard, was you are falling behind. You are not getting through the things that you need to get through. And I just felt like, I wouldn't say failing, but I would feel like I wasn't the best version of myself as a leader or as a parent, as a partner, as a friend or a daughter, because you're away from people. And that was just the constant save for a while. And that, that over time really took a toll. And so that's where the conversation with yourself and with having more honest conversations around what you're struggling with, I found really helpful during that time.
1: Starting a business, running a startup and working in self-care can be considered as (laughs) oxymorons because running a business is so effing hard and getting something off the ground. But your mission is around taking care of yourself and not only taking care of yourself, but like being a support system for others too, who are also trying to take care of themselves. How do you balance literally just the work that it takes to get something off the ground with maintaining and upholding a mission that you both obviously believe in so wholeheartedly and that is so important?
0: It's a good question. I think sometimes we don't, and sometimes we're, you know, there are times that we're better at it one of our values at Shine is, is go big and go home, which is speaking to the kind of toxic, like go big, go big or go home. And the idea that, you know, sleep when you're dead and, and the idea that you, you can't prioritize yourself. And when we think go big, we mean we show up to meetings on time. We, we go big with our campaign ideas. We support one another. And then we, we turn off when we go home. And that's, that's been a practice since the very beginning, mm-hmm. even when Shine was a side hustle and we were, you know, killing ourselves, <laughs> working lunches and, We would meet at like 6.37 every morning before work, lunch, after work. We still wouldn't meet on Saturdays. We gave ourselves Saturdays so that we could, you know, have at least one day of rest. And that's been a part of the company since the very beginning, although it's now not just Saturdays, obviously. We get more time. But I think this year, it's been really difficult to understand how to how to practice what we preach, particularly as, as founders. And there are certainly things we've implemented as a team. You know, we have every other Friday off and the Fridays that we have on, we have no meetings. But I think that... You know, for me, one of the the biggest lessons I've learned over the past even just few years of of starting Shine, when we first started, I would listen to all these, uh, like, business podcasts every morning, and I would start my day from this place that I thought was really proactive and thoughtful and going to get me ahead for the day. And I still love, you know, all those podcasts, but what I found was that I was starting my day from a place of comparison, a place that was very external, of how can I take what all these other leaders have done and put that together? and make shine great. You know, how can I make shine great? And when I made the switch to starting my day with myself and people that, that you know, make me feel good, whether that's the Oprah's of the world or I love like Eckhart Tolle, people who, who talk a lot about like presence and acceptance, you know, meditation and the daily shine. And when I'm starting my day from that place and then, you know, maybe incorporating those business podcasts later in the day, it's just, I feel so much more in control because I'm starting with my gut. I'm starting with myself.
1: What is a time Um, that you have each checked the other to be like, you're spiraling right now, like you're stressed, you need a break, or you need to like walk out of this meeting? Like, is there a time where you have been that peer support for each other, where you literally just said, this is hard, but like, we need to take a break right now?
2: One of the many benefits to our partnership, and it's, it's being co-CEOs, and it's also our, our friendship. You know, we met as coworkers, which I think was really important because it started with like, how do you work? And that really matters when you're building a company, obviously. And then the friendship and that like us embracing kind of those two things. And one of the things that I love about Mara is she helps me see myself. Like I'm, I'm very, very hard on myself and I can appreciate all the ways that that's helped me along the way. Like I work really hard. I try to bring humility to things. I struggle with insecurity. I struggle with sometimes feeling like I'm enough, particularly in this role, you know, when there's a lot of examples of how you're supposed to be and Mara she sees me in the fullest ways of like sees who I am and then she also sees me when she knows I'm like spiraling into a rabbit hole of like I'll be working on a project and maybe it's something that's very dense and like intense and you know when we worked together physically um but we still do this because we talk all the time obviously virtually I'll start like clicking my mouse a lot and like huffing and be like (sighs) and it's it's very physically clear that I am like struggling a bit it's like hey, Naomi, want to go on a walk. And at the end of the day, like we're kind of each other's bosses, you know? It's like we are holding each other accountable. And so she's my partner and I respect her so much. And so if she is like, hey, let's go on a walk. I'm like, let's go on a walk. And there's been a number of times, even virtually, you know, that we're that, that level of seeing each other and helping me pull myself out of those moments where, I th- you know, I think we can all, we've all been there in some ways, right? You're working on something, as, as CEOs, too, you have to work on everything. You know, you're in a lot of ways, you're these, like, super generalists, and that's fun and exciting and new, and it can also sometimes feel hard to, like, say, oh, I am the expert on this specifically because you're managing so many moving parts. And Mara will help me when I'm struggling in those moments take a walk, take a deep breath. I feel so much better for it, and it's also what makes the company better, and there's a lot of productivity can, that can be lost if you don't have someone doing that.
1: What about you, Mara? What do you, how does Naomi help you? I'm, yeah, I'm just
0: taking that <laughs> in as well. I, I love you. Um, love you too. I think for me, it's it's a very similar to helping helping me see myself, although in a different way. I I really took to to school as a kid because I I just needed a lot of structure in my life. And similarly, once I got into like the corporate world, I was like, oh, I can do this. And um, it was something that felt so like tangible and structured. And it's something that I can lose myself in really easily. And I can very easily forget not only to take care of myself, but to see myself. And I, you know, we'll, we'll do a presentation. It could mm. be on a stage. It could be to the team. And then I'll get out of it and be like, okay, next time I'm going to do these seven things better. <laughs> you know, I don't see it as negative self-talk. I don't see it as, as being critical, but I'm absolutely like demolishing what I just said or did by completely rewriting history and just, you know, immediately going to how to, how I can improve. And, you know, Naomi will always give you like a nice nod. It's like, sure, sure. Yeah. We can definitely iterate, but also just helping me to just give me very specific feedback. I think that's something that everybody loves about working with Naomi.
1: Let's talk about side hustles. I love a good side hustle. We, we talk a lot about side hustles on here and Shine started as a side hustle for you both. What I thought found really interesting was that you were able to raise money while this was a side hustle. How did you think about this first and foremost as a side hustle before you realized that there was a business? And then let's talk about the funding.
0: Yeah, I mean, Shine started as a a daily text sent to 50 of our closest friends and some of their friends. And what we said was, why don't we take our background in messaging and engaging people, you know, using that platform and also this relationship we've created with each other where we can really support each other. So we sent a daily text. It was meant to feel like a friend in your pocket, covering a different mental health theme each day, but not talking about it in that way, talking about it in just kind of the way that you would talk with a friend. We didn't know what it was. We didn't start start out to say like, let's, you know, know build a a billion dollar business we said let's just send this text to 50 people Mm -hmm. and see what happens and you know we would do weekly surveys and one of the first pieces of feedback that we got was this has fundamentally changed how I feel about myself and that was somebody after using it for a week. And so we knew that there was something there. And we would go from 50 users to 1,000 users to 3,000 users in just like weeks. So we put up a Squarespace site. And then all of a sudden, we started to have editors pick it up and say, this is my secret weapon. I get these daily texts. And it was about a few months into the prototype, um, where we were about like three or 4,000 users, when we had this very New York moment on a stoop around the corner from our jobs, where, you know, we looked at each other and we're like, just so you know, I don't have a trust fund. Like, I just wanted to be clear that I'm not like sitting on any kind of like nest egg here slash I have a lot of debt. So, you know, I can't quit my job. Can you quit your job? <laughs> I think there's just so many levels of risks that are are relative. And we, we, I think, ultimately came to the place of just recognizing, you know, even as women, women of color in this space that I think naturally are, are just more risk averse because we've had to be. We also recognize that we have done a lot of things before to make money. Like if we need to wait while we do this, we will do this, mm-hmm. and so we—that's that conclusion we ultimately came to. And we quit, and we gave our job three months' notice. And the beauty of that was that it was, you know, helpful for them. But we used that time to fundraise, and we, um, you know, we told them that we were fundraising. We took Fridays off. And I remember our first meeting, it was actually with Haley Barna, um, the co-founder of Birchbox. And she was so incredible and, you know, gave us feedback immediately on just like how to pitch. And what was the
1: best piece of advice she said?
0: It was about having conviction and and thinking big. I think both as as women of color, but also just in tech, it's, it's a very perplexing thing to fundraise because tech is all about being lean, being iterative, testing, prototyping, but you go into a meeting with a venture capitalist and they want to know exactly what you're doing and exactly what it will look like in five years and exactly how much money you're going to make and exactly when you're going to exit. And the secret that they don't tell you is that of course it will change. Of course you will iterate. Of course you'll create new products and services. But for us, you know, when we started meeting with Haley, we went in and we talked about our vision for, you know, the mission and what we wanted to create and from a, you know, what is it exactly is it going to look like in a few years. We're like, well, we have a few ideas, you know, and, and talk through this. And she's like, pick one, like, just mm-hmm. go, just go with one direction. And um, that was so helpful. We then met Victoria Song, who ended up being our first investor and and said she would invest within the first few minutes, which yeah. was so powerful. You know, that was the beginning. And it was, it was a, about a couple months into us as fundraising. And when we got our lead investor, then you know, you still have to close the round. You still have to get the other investors on board. So there was a lot of creative moments of us, you know, sneaking downstairs from our jobs and going into like an ATM booth and taking a call and pretending we were in an (laughs) office somewhere. And you do, you really have to get creative. I think it taught us so much discipline and time management because it wasn't just... Let's meet, you know, nights and weekends and work on Shine. It was this person has this opening at this time and the meeting probably will take an hour and a half. And we have this other meeting for work right after that. So let's be really um, smart about how we're going to manage this. I think it was a great way to start because it did, it really kind of preened us for what it looks like to manage your time in in, uh, a very disciplined way. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Co-founders, co-CEOs, warms my heart. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) it's really fun for me to, to watch you guys interacting together because it reminds me obviously a lot of like how Danielle and I interact. How do you, I'm going to ask you all of the annoying questions that we get asked. (laughs) Who makes the real decisions? Yeah. I could tell you're really friends. Um, but how, but how do you divide and conquer?
0: Oh, we love questions about co-CEO-dom because yeah, when we first started, there was a lot of like, yeah, like, yeah, what do you fight about? And um, who who really
2: makes the decisions? Yeah, who wears the it's pants. like, but when there is a gladiator fight, who <laughs> will survive? You know, because you will kill each other. And that's the ultimate end. And um, By the way, if Danielle and I did it,
1: she would win because I would just walk out and be like, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what was the question? The question
2: was... How do you divide and conquer? We balance... Clarity and like lanes, with also just the reality in a beautiful way that us sharing certain things helps us in the company. So, in terms of how we like divide and conquer, Mara oversees product and tech, and that includes content because obviously. Our product is largely content-driven. And then on my side, I receive marketing and operations. What we share is is really the brand, right? And like team culture and knowing that the brand in a lot of ways was built from our friendship. It was built from us being in the thick of it day in and day out. And so it's important that we we share that. And then I think one of, one of the other things is, you know, so many of the questions that, that you all have gotten, that we've gotten, come from trying to maintain a status quo that is largely male, alpha-driven, and toxic male, and toxic masculinity. What I think people don't appreciate in, in this like a call to defend the co-CEOdom is that part of new leadership tools, and I think we've seen a lot of reckoning around leadership styles that haven't worked. There's a lot of accountability around, okay, it, does the external talking points actually match what's happening internally? And... I think the need for improvement and the call to action is around more collaboration, more partnership, and less ego. And there's a lot of research around that being more of a feminine quality. And so that's something that we have embraced, but I'll tell you, it gets easier to, now people are interested in it and they're like, ooh, what can we learn from it? Where in the beginning it was defend it, defend it, and or then don't do it. patronizing like, sure, we'll see how that goes. Right.
1: Totally hear you. How do you separate friend time and work time? Like, do you separate it?
2: We go on founder dates. And that was something that we did every Friday when we were working, you know, pre-COVID, where we would take each other out. Um, like you would your, you know, if, if you have a partner, same thing, right? There's the logistics and the week and you're kind of like scheduling things and you're getting through things and you have to get intentional about taking time for yourself, but also for your partner. And we would go and we would get lunch and we would just talk. And we would say like, so how are you doing? How are you really doing? How's your family doing? How's your partner doing? What was tough this week? And we still hold that tradition, even in remote work. I think there's no doubt that the friendship is part of the every day, but it is important. Like on Friday, we're just getting like us time. We're going to do some like planning, future planning, but also part of future planning usually comes from us catching up and saying like, what's been hard? What's been painful? How are you really doing? And we think of that as friend time, but it also it also helps the business because it's ultimately reflecting what we're struggling with or what's hard and what we can do to to help our community with with similar things that they're struggling with. What would you say though, Mara? Like, I mean,
0: there's also old fashions involved. Yes, um, and I do miss the, getting those together. But I think that having rituals and traditions and feeling like there's this um, consistency to it. Similarly to to a a romantic partnership, it really does make you feel prioritized. And then you also just can... You know, there's stuff that you hold in you don't know, you know? And so having somebody directly ask you, it's um, like when Meghan Markle spoke to someone, you know, asking her if she was okay. Those things don't necessarily come up in between meetings in the week. And so just a really direct questions around how you're doing, which harkens back to, obviously, our, you know, original hang and, and yeah. be, becoming friends. It's so, so valuable for our, our mental health. And then, obviously, we run a mental health company. It ties back. And then we think about what we dream about, too. Like, you can't create a company and, you know, hit your goals and, and, you know, build every year. If you're not looking three or four or five years out and thinking about like, what will this look like? I remember an advisor telling us when we were like, I remember like our knees knocking together. It was like after a fundraising meeting and she was like, shine will exist in five years. Mm -hmm. What will it be? And at that time that felt so big. We were like, "Whoa, shine will exist in five years. And now we're coming up on our five year anniversary. And so just making sure we get time to talk about that too. Like what are the things that we like dream about, about what this this company can be and this team.
1: We have our own challenge at the skin that we're launching in January called the how to skim your life challenge. Our skimmers are gonna be taking small steps to make changes in their life from updating their resumes to meditating for five minutes. From your perspective, what are the small changes like each of you just choose one that you'd
2: recommend our audience try to improve their own well-being. Mara's heard me talk about this mantra a lot, but the mantra that I took very seriously when I was preparing to come back from maternity leave and I find it really helpful just in general is be where your feet are. I think a lot of stress and anxiety comes from trying to predict the future, which we cannot do, or change the past, which we cannot do. You cannot be a present a hundred percent of the time. It's just not possible. But I think that mantra a couple times throughout the day will help you just take in where you are, what you can control in that moment and talking to yourself in a way that is hopefully a little bit more compassionate than it's been before. I would say just make time
0: for yourself, whether that's setting an intention at the beginning of the day, which you can do in the Shine app, by the way, or uh, gratitude at the end of the day or beginning of the day. But I think we've been so socialized and particularly this year to just keep going and to just, especially for the caretakers, this is healthcare workers, parents, people taking care of their family members. It feels like I, I can't, I don't have time for myself. I promise you if it's a minute, if it's two minutes, it will fundamentally change your outlook and your ability to cope and to be resilient if you can just make a few minutes for, for your own, just whatever that is, that, that self-care ritual.
1: Guys, are you ready for the lightning round? Yes. <laughs> Mara, morning person or night owl? Morning. Naomi,
2: last show you binge watched? We're watching The Undoing and we just finished Queen's Gambit. I feel like everyone across America is like those two things. Mara, when was the last time you negotiated for
1: yourself? A hotel rate recently. <laughs> Naomi, what is Mara's biggest pet peeve?
2: Um, she, Patience. Like if people are taking too long to just get something done <laughs> that could happen more efficiently. She's just, she's like, I don't, why? Let's get this done. <laughs> Mara
1: what is Naomi's biggest pet peeve? I think people just being being rude people being
0: rude or like yeah just unnecessarily bothering other people. Naomi's the kindest soul in the world but when somebody like bumps her on the street and doesn't like apologize or, or acknowledge it I will hear just so many words I never
2: hear from Naomi. Like, and it's like so quick too. just common decency you know you know, compassion towards other Simple thing. Like if you hold a door and someone doesn't say thank you, it bothers me. But then I'm like, am I doing it for the thank you or for just <laughs> the good, the good deed? I guess the thank you as well.
1: Naomi, who is somebody that Mara would totally geek out over meeting? Lucille Ball. Done. Yeah. Idol. Who would Naomi geek out over meeting? Uh, Brene Brown. I'd
2: yeah.
1: Um, guys, thank you so much. Such a pleasure. Congratulations on everything.
2: Thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it. Hi
1: everyone, we're trying something new. During this time of economic uncertainty, we wanna take a moment to spotlight some new female-founded companies. We've heard from many incredible skimmers who are leading small businesses, and we will be introducing them to you each week on Skim from the Couch. See the link in our episode description for how to submit yourself or a friend.
3: My name is Taylor Simmons, um, and I relaunched Cocoa Shop in 2019. Coco Shop is an independent brand that was founded in Antigua in the 1940s um, and had a wonderful 60 years of business on the island selling washable cotton clothing in island prints. It was founded by American siblings and started as a craft's table um, and quickly grew into two island stores. So I relaunched it last year and, like the original company, selling washable cotton clothing in the same archived um, hand-drawn prints. COVID-19 has impacted my business both positively and negatively. Um, Positively, I think there's been a renewed kind of resurgence of conversations around small brands and their unique challenges. For the cocoa Shop community, I've just tried to continue to be positive um, and have really been helped by their support and positivity through this time and then have continued to share kind of what I have been doing personally to make this a better experience. So I'm naturally shy. I've tried to put myself out there a little bit more for them. The SKIMS community can help by listening, I think. Um, First and foremost, listening to founder stories, better understanding uh, the impact of their dollar, you know, shopping small, shopping local, those phrases are said often, but I think You know, when you shop from a small brand, the founder or that founding team, you know, celebrates every order. So I think just listening and then going out into the world, putting into action what they've learned. Thanks for hanging out with us.
1: Join us next week for another episode of Skim from the Couch. And if you can't wait until then, subscribe to our daily email newsletter that gives you all the important news and information you need to start your day sign up at the skim.com that's the s k i m m.com two m's for a little something extra